When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast, the instant reaction show. This is Kenneth Arthur with me, J.B. Scott, and uh, hopefully joining us here soon, Chris Daniel. We'll be talking about the Rams' 24-10 victory over the Panthers to get back to 3-3, three and three, back into a tie for first place in the NFC West as the 49ers lose and fall to 3-3. Three and three. But really the important thing for the Rams being – get a win before the bye week in week seven, you know, hopefully look pretty good while doing it against the Panthers team that doesn't have a lot going for it. And, you know, definitely some positives and some things still to work on moving ahead as it did take, you know, a strong second half for the Rams to pull away from a Panthers team that really just could be the worst team in the league. But Ultimately, what's important is the Rams got to win. JB, what is your instant reaction, initial thought from this game, 24-10 Rams? Yeah, I agree with your assessment. This Carolina Panthers team seemed like they lacked firepower at every you know position aside from Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, P.J. Walker never really threatened you down the field. The Rams absolutely, you know, maybe the previous Rams teams in recent years would have absolutely blew this team out of the water and it wouldn't have been close, but you know, you trailed at halftime and you dominated the time of possession, 37 minutes to 22 and a half. So, uh, and that wasn't really necessarily a good thing because uh, the offense was hard to watch at times, especially in the first half, but, you know, they really put it together in the second half. A lot of different guys got their hands on the football, got involved in the running game. And, you know, they scored multiple touchdowns, 17 points in the second half. And that's more than they've done in the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's definitely a sign of encouraging things. And, We'll see what, what this bye week has in store for the team, too. Yeah, the uh, bye week is going to be a helpful opportunity, perhaps, for the Rams, especially with more injuries on the offensive line. Joseph Nopum going out in this one. So that meant that A.J. Jackson had to go over to left tackle. Um, and Ode Abushi comes in at right guard so more shuffling on the offensive line uh any thoughts as far as uh after the change at left tackle did you think that maybe aj jackson was holding up pretty well there oh yeah certainly i've always been a big fan of aj jackson in the last couple of years and whenever he has been forced into playing left tackle i think during that that's about with covid in the late season last year uh he had to fill in so he's always been impressive he's been probably Aside from Rob Havenstein, the team's most consistent performer on that offensive line. And, you know, he filled in admirably. Abushi had some tough moments. He, you know, had some promising signs, especially downfield in the screen game where he was making some big time impact blocks. So that was that was good to see. But uh, I'm not sure that you should have confidence in him starting full time if that ends up being the case moving forward. Yeah, it's uh, just seems so fascinating you know that uh, the Rams have 
gotten down to backups at every position on the offensive line except for right tackle and in some cases the you know the fourth or the fifth potentially backup playing there uh chris uh welcome back to the show uh how uh did you feel about uh aj jackson's play at left tackle if you can hear me and that would be a no. Uh, we're still uh, trying to get Chris back on here, uh, having some uh, technical issues on uh, our end here. So uh, we will get that figured out. But as far as getting things figured out, JB, you know, there was some difficulties there in the first half, including uh, Matthew Stafford throwing a pick six his career 29th pick six. Um, and he has such a penchant for throwing those interceptions in his own territory. So what were your feelings after that interception? Uh, because it felt like the Panthers would not be able to score uh, in any other fashion all day long, other than um, a turnover pretty much, or maybe a special teams play. So did you feel uh worried after that pick six uh or did you think that eventually with this Panthers team something would have to give if I had to use one word I'd probably say I was feeling irrational at halftime after the <laughs> pick six because um just because you you have the pick six the Rams are running such a limited offense that you know I really was curious maybe like if you're not going to throw the ball down the field and it's all screens and short passes like is Bryce Perkins better equipped to handle that I'm not too sure, but um, it's certainly certainly something to think about. And um, I was wondering, I was about to say, is there a chance we see Matthew Stafford get benched at some point this season in this game, um, or in this year at least? But uh -huh. I, was, I was feeling irrational, and certainly uh, you did the one thing you can't afford to do against this team, that's turn the ball over and give them three points. Yeah, because, I mean, it was pretty evident. I, I don't know how much I've ever watched P.J. Walker before. You knew that he was very far down the depth chart, but still a player who has started for the Panthers in the past and uh, wasn't like your typical fourth-string quarterback necessarily. You know, it, it was a situation where Carolina was so thin at talent at quarterback that maybe PJ Walker, PJ Walker was always pretty close to starting, but then it was obvious right away. This is a very limited passing attack. Carolina had certain plays that they could run for PJ Walker and call for PJ Walker. Um, but if that first option wasn't available or that play design wasn't going in the way that they had expected it to, wasn't going to be a lot of improvisation uh, by PJ Walker, or the offense after that, as you said, it was just Christian McCaffrey and McCaffrey uh, 13 carries 69 yards, seven catches, 89 yards. Probably one of Christian McCaffrey's better days in a while. So given that, you know, the Panthers, you know, had gotten down to Walker and then Jacob Eason at quarterback. And then also, you know, we saw Robbie Anderson leave the game uh, in the middle of the game. And, you know, Robbie Anderson, wasn't really going to have an impact on the game, which is probably why Robert Anderson left the game. Um, but either way, you know, the Rams only had one job, which is stopped Christian McCaffrey. There wasn't really anything else to be concerned about with the Panthers offensively. Um, so how do you feel like on the, the defense's job today and the defense's job on McCaffrey? Yeah, Jacob Eason exists just to throw game ending picks to the Rams, because if you remember <laughs> last season, against Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz gets injured. He hurts both of his ankles, which is kind of a weird thing, right? 
And Eason comes in, throws an interception to Jalen Ramsey to seal the game. He comes in in relief of P.J. Walker here. And the same thing happens. Nick Scott makes that, uh, that it was a close catch, but, you know, he really reeled it in and, that, and it was good. So, um, you know, the defense, a lot of encouraging signs. Aaron Donald was all over the place. He was in the backfield consistently. Never really, you know, affected P.J. Walker in terms of hits or sacks, but I think that's okay. Uh, this passing game was zero threat. And you saw, you know, Jalen Ramsey was really keying on those shorter routes towards the end of the game and, you know, tackled McCaffrey way in the backfield at one point. That was a very mm-hmm. physical, physical tackle. So I think that was, it was good to see these defensive backs really just uh, take control. And they, yeah, had ultimate confidence in them that they weren't going to give up the big play. Uh, you know, McCaffrey's one of the best running backs in the league. He ripped off that long catch and run, but that's just who he is. He's going to have yeah. his moments and it's okay. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, definitely a game for McCaffrey, especially, you know, and also probably one of his last games for the Panthers. I mean, at this point, that's exactly what Carolina wanted. See McCaffrey do some stuff uh, on film uh, that looks pretty good. And uh, that is certainly something that was able to happen on Sunday. And I'm sure that Carolina this week or next week would like to trade Christian McCaffrey to the highest bidder. Uh, And whether or not that will be the Rams is also a question that's going to be asked. Uh, Chris, what were your feelings on Christian McCaffrey and, you know, maybe his potential fit in another offense, speaking of the Rams? Uh, I mean, I think Christian McCaffrey fits anywhere. You know, he's one of those players that you just put the ball in his hands, find ways to get him the ball. Uh, In terms of a fit with the Rams, per se, I mean, I just think we have other pressing issues. I don't think that capital, whatever the case is, uh, should be spent on Christian McCaffrey unless there's a way to include Cam Akers in that deal, kind of lessen some of the draft capital we may, may need to send. But yeah, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he he's offense proof. You put him in, you put him in an offense. You get him the ball, and he's going to do good things for you. Yeah, the uh, you know that was obvious. You know, against uh, the LA Rams today, um, even though the Panthers didn't score any offensive uh, points after the first quarter field goal, um, so. Just nowhere to go for Carolina. Did get close there with Jacob Eason throwing the end zone interception to uh, Nick Scott, eventually picking that off the ground. Um, And uh, I mentioned the running back situation, Cam Akers seemingly on the way out the door uh, was reported during the game that Les Snead said, you know, never say never as far as Akers coming back to the team. But it really sounds like that situation is over and the Daryl Henderson uh, is the loan back for now situation begins and Henderson 12 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. There was also three carries for 13 yards for Brandon Powell, seven carries for 15 yards for Malcolm Brown. Um, JV, what were your thoughts on Daryl Henderson getting his opportunity here to be the lead back without Cam Akers? And, you know, how do you feel now that uh, it seems Cam Akers is out the door, basically. Yeah, the stat line overall for Henderson wasn't great. 12 carries for 43 yards. That's an average of 3.6 yards per carry. And then, you know, he added the touchdown. But whenever you have that, I think it was third and 13, and they hand the ball to Henderson, and he just he just was fast. It's the fastest I think I've seen him run in years. But uh, he, he picks that up, and that's kind of a lucky play for you, a lucky break. But uh, it was ultimately important to – 
you know, go down and score and, you know, put this Panthers team behind the eight ball. So um, Henderson was great. I think he, he ran physical and in the grand scheme of things without acres, you know, I think, you know, Sneed's comments that, you know, he's never going to rule anything out. Acres could come back. I think it's just trying to hold on to any remaining leverage that you have at this point in terms of finding a trade partner, but the Rams have to make a move. I think McCaffrey would be an absolute fantastic home run hit. I think he transcends the offensive line struggles just because you can also get him the ball in space and let him just be the best running back in the NFL. Um, so I think the Rams have to make a move for some sort of you know veteran, um, but I don't know who's what options they have at this point. They might not have any, but you know you can't run into the rest of the regular season with Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and whoever the heck Ronnie Rivers is. <laughs> Yeah, Ronnie Rivers, one carry, no yards, one 14-yard reception today. And it really does seem like, you know, here are the Rams, three and three. No other, no team in the NFC West is above 500. So you got 11 more games. Uh, certainly, you know, there is time left here to ride the ship after the bye week. And at least... I think, you know, winning more games than you lose should result in the Rams uh, with a winning record and, and getting into the playoffs. So that's pretty much what's looking at here for the next 11 games, six and five or better, obviously would want to do better than that. But, you know, not sure if that was the case of what we saw against the Panthers on Sunday or not, you know, because another way this game could go is, you know, winning 31 to nothing or something like that with, you know, without there being the pick six and, uh, you know, a strong balanced offensive attack, which wasn't quite the case today. Although we did see Allen Robinson uh, put up a Rams high 63 yards with that touchdown catch. Um, and I would be remiss not to mention that JC Horn was also out of this game and that is Carolina's, you know, best cover player. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on Carolina's defense against the Rams today? I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of been a situation all year where it's like good defenses, we're going to have trouble. Bad defenses, we're going to be able to move the ball, potentially get some points. Carolina's more towards the bad end, uh, although they're not really they're, – they're not bad in the sense they're bad defense, but in comparison to the Bills, in comparison to the 49ers, they're not on that tier. I do believe they're better than the Falcons and the Cardinals at this point in terms of defense. Um I feel like they did everything they could do, uh, especially with just like you say, Jesse Horn not being able to to play. Um, the Rams kind of were able to get that second option going with Allen Robinson, uh, which really helped take the load off of Cooper Cup. And I really like the way he got involved, uh, getting off of that uh, jam uh, with a nice release to get that touchdown, uh, making himself available as secondary options, secondary reads. Uh, also getting involved in the blocking game uh, for running backs and other wide receivers. Cleared out two guys on the jet sweep for uh, Ben Skoranek. I, I really enjoyed what I saw out of Allen Robinson. I'm just hoping it's not a blip and something that's going to be more consistent with us kind of getting our offense back on track, regardless of what defense we play against. Yeah, well, it's going to be a much different game in two weeks, and uh, that is coming up after the bye week with the 49ers. So it's kind of interesting to see uh, that change over from 
you know, a team that is probably looking up at the number one pick if things continue to go as they seem to be going for the Carolina Panthers uh, to facing the 49ers and having that opportunity to be right back in first place, sending the 49ers down to three and four or watching the 49ers uh, win that game and go to, oh, well, they'll, they won't be four and three because they probably have a game next week, but uh, yes, the 49ers play the chiefs. So even better potentially if the 49ers lose to the chiefs and the 49ers lost to the Falcons today, um, then it could be a real opportunity there for the Rams to come back. Uh, Jeremy, how do you feel about the, Rams getting the bye week right now. Is this the best possible timing? Well, it's pretty good timing. I don't know if it's the best possible timing, but, uh, you know, Brian Allen is probably, you know, going to return after the bye, I would assume. Van Jefferson, I'm not sure when his eligibility starts to come off IR, but soon after you'll get him back. Uh, so, yeah, it's excellent timing. Maybe you start adding in, uh, you find a, if Odey Abouche is going to be a permanent staple on that offensive line moving forward. You find out what the heck's going on with Joseph Noteboom, if he's going to be down for the count you know, for a long time or not. But uh, the bye week's coming at the right time. you got a week to prepare for the 49ers, and you know that this is a team you know very well. I think you played very encouragingly on defense, aside from two very big splash plays that really did you in. And, you know, you got to get this offense that, who has some momentum now, but you got to keep building on it. Yeah, Chris, how do you feel about the 49ers coming up here in the uh, timing of the bye week in week seven? Bye week timing is perfect. You know, when, when I first looked at the schedule to start the season, I was upset. Bye week in week seven, that's, that's a bit early. It couldn't have come at a better time the way the season played out. In terms of what's up after the bye week, I have no reason to really feel any different than I did heading into this game. I've said it before, the 49ers, even though they lost today, hopefully they'll lose against the Chiefs. It's a different team when they play the Rams. They are fired up to play the Rams. It's going to be likely a heavily 49ers crowd. Crowd noise is going to be an issue, and that's kind of an even bigger deal with the issues that we're having on offensive line with lack of, uh, lack of cohesion just based off of guys shuffling in and out. Hopefully we get some guys back due to the bye week coming at that perfect time. So we have some more of our veterans in that are ready to handle what's likely going to be a silent count type of game uh, mm. against the 49ers. Yeah. And it does make me uh, think about sort of what you were saying, uh, what you both were saying about getting players back uh, after the bye week, thinking of Brian Allen, just thinking ahead to a team that's not that far off that could have, you know, Van Jefferson um, or Tremaine Ancrum. I think he's on short-term IR, right? So wouldn't that be an opportunity? Maybe a, a Troy Hill. These seem like players who could uh, be coming back at some point in the year. And, you know, also Bobby Brown would be coming off of suspension after this week, uh, be eligible for that. If he's a good player, I don't really know at this point. I don't know if anyone really knows at this point, but another guy that could be added back to the roster um, here coming up shortly. And I would say, yeah, there are positives here for the defense to come away with um, and potentially even adding, you know, a running back whether it's McCaffrey or somebody else of note, you know, could be a very, or at least a pretty different team uh, going into a couple of weeks. And all, things always feel better 
um, after a win, of course, and hopeful and optimistic, and then they feel more pessimistic after a loss. Chris, do you think that this was a satisfying enough win over the Panthers? For me, no. I mean, this is what you would expect. You know, we wanted a big number, 24-10, not really a big number, taking into consideration, you know, seven of those 10 points came off a, a pick six, which mm, really, really was hard to watch. Um, so it was all in all a dominant performance, but that's what's supposed to happen against one of the worst teams in the league. You are talking about a team that we, we just won the Super Bowl last year. We're, we're not that same team, but we're not. It wasn't a tremendous fall off in talent. You should be a team that just fired their coach going through offensive issues at the quarterback position. You should beat that team at least 24-10, even though they were fired up to play for an interim head coach. It, no, this game doesn't really do anything in terms of changing my perspective or being satisfied. Now, it's more satisfying than a loss, but no, this, does, this doesn't do anything for me. This doesn't move the needle. Chris, how do you feel, you know, also about just the – Next year, I mean, do you feel pessimistic about the, the future or do you think this is something that can be uh, fixed with a couple offseason changes? No, I mean, I'm not going to look into next year and say, oh, my goodness, this is this is going to carry on into next year and and be an issue for the foreseeable future. This is closing. Let me the put it let me put it in just a slightly different way. Also, just like if we we're talking about naming five teams that we feel confident in as being Super Bowl contenders for the next two to three years, instead of not just this year. And we're talking about, I just think about like the bills playing the chiefs today, uh, thinking about some of the teams that might just feel like, Oh, are they going to be good for another two, three, four years? How do you think the Rams stack up there? As long as Aaron Donald is still playing, the Rams will have a chance the the day he retires, mm. that window is going to be a little bit more difficult to keep open. Oh, very uh, well. That's a very key point. Yeah, definitely, Jeremy. How do you feel about that? In an ironic way, I think you're in the same boat that you were in before the golf trade, and that's where you have a top ten to fifteen type quarterback. You should always be looking for an upgrade so you can find that Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen type. Uh, you know they're extremely rare, but you need to start drafting for 2023. And you need to see if you can get lucky and find one of those prototypical guys. You know the ones who are mobile and play extenders, but uh, I'm nervous about what Matthew Stafford has in the tank over the next, you know, two to three years, um, just based on what we've seen so far in 2022. Yeah, it doesn't feel, you know, you know, JB, it's funny, there's talk about, you know, whether or not the, the Rams uh, before this week, and maybe even after this week, talking about, is this Rams off? And you can't really get past the fact that the Rams offense, it wasn't exactly potent today. You know, it was just effective enough against a very bad team. And to think about those Allen Mahomes, even the Jalen Hurts offense, even the uh, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson offense, you know, even some of these uh, other teams going around. Although I will say uh, in the NFC West, you know, I don't know how sustainably positive uh, any of these offenses uh really are uh jb what are you who do you think is the uh really the most potent dangerous offense in the nfc west could it really be the geno smith offense right now it absolutely is and geno smith you know as bad as he was with the jets in the first phase of his career he looks like a totally different player and he's added a different layer 
of talents that he brings to the table. So he looks more mobile. He's making throws that he never would even have attempted in New York. Uh, I think he's playing himself into being the long-term starter for the Seahawks, though, you know, they should probably draft and, you know, hedge their bets a little bit, but I, I you know, save your draft capital and just build around Gino is kind of where I'm at with them right now. Well, certainly it would be a Pete Carroll move to do as well. Um, Chris, what were your thoughts on the NFC West competition? Because we do have the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks all at three and three, the Cardinals at two and four. And I'll just say it. I've been saying it all year. I mean, this is the type of start that gets Chris uh, Cliff Kingsbury fired. I I don't know how he can continue to coach because that Cardinals offense is – it's not just bad. It's atrocious to watch. There's nothing fun or exciting. And they just paid Kyler Murray all that money. Uh, but Chris, how do you assess the competition in the NFC West? Uh, so starting with the Cardinals, I mean, it's kind of a shock just because they usually start off hot. Uh, they will get DeAndre Hopkins back next week. So I've kind of, kind of been grading them on a curve to an extent see what they're like when they get their number one dog back at wide receiver. I mean, how many would we be without our number one dog, you know, Uh, going to Seattle, they have been surprising this year. Um, I kind of piggyback off of what JB said, Gino looks good. Like they look good. Um, And the 49ers, just that physicality, that that physicality is always going to be kind of, evident and they always have the ace up their sleeve with that defense um helping that offense out and then you just look at kind of how the 49ers have gone this year uh prior to a big game they seem to drop a game to a team that they shouldn't lose to the broncos ahead of the rams losing to the falcons ahead of the uh ahead of the kansas city chiefs so that's kind of been their mo this year but in terms of in terms of threats directly related to the Rams, narrowing it down a little bit, I'm still always going to put the 49ers as the problem child. Yeah, I would have to say that the 49ers defense and uh, the ability to put together and cobble together an offense sometimes around Jimmy Garoppolo is enough for me to think that maybe uh, they could be the most dangerous uh, threat here to the Rams. And obviously the Rams need to prove that they're a threat still and turn that offense around and definitely doing so against the 49ers defense would prove a lot. Uh, JB previewing and looking ahead to winners and losers from this game, maybe anybody that you think stands out in a way that you were hoping to get a big game from this person, from this player, like uh, if the if the Rams could just get a, a step up performance from this guy, then it would start to feel better. Anybody that stands out as a winner in that regard. Matthew Stafford had a losing performance just because you know, the only way this Panthers team is going to come out on top is if you gave them free points, whether it was a pick six or like the fumble he had a week ago or the blocked punt. And he made the one mistake backed up in his own territory that he couldn't afford. And, you know, that gave Panther the Panthers life. It gave them a halftime lead. And I think, you know, you expect more of a 14 year NFL veteran. Chris, anybody uh, that stood out for you as a uh, winner today for that you were looking for someone to step up? I mean, I kind of piggyback uh, off of what I said earlier. I was just really happy with Allen Robinson. Uh, again, he was evident not only with the ball in his hands, but before the ball got to his hands with his releases. And, of course, with other players with the ball in their hands, blocking out on the perimeter, 
for Vince Garonic and others. Uh, I was happy to see that kind of performance out of Allen Robinson and hopeful he's able to eat off of that going forward. Yeah, and I think that, you know, this is the type of game that moves that in that direction, you know, because last year with Odell Beckham Jr., it wasn't all that exciting week after week in the regular season outside of his touchdown catches and the fact that he's OBJ, you know, there weren't any of these huge games and it was a little bit of a while before he and Matthew Stafford were able to connect multiple times over, get over a hundred yards. And that was all the way in the playoffs. And so, you know, that could be the case for Robinson, except he has a lot more runway left, you know, other than what, as opposed to OBJ starting in the middle of the year. So it could be going in that direction. And I think that's the, the direction that obviously the Rams wanted to go in. So it's not so heavily built off of Cooper cup. All right, as we wind down here on the Instant Reaction Show, Rams 24, Panthers 10. Uh, JB, thinking about your final thoughts on this game, the Rams really needed this win. You know, obviously, we said this was a can't-lose game against the Carolina Panthers team that had so much working against it. And so, you know, with the 49ers is the next game after the bye week, you know, are you feeling confident that the Rams can compete against the 49ers this time? Yeah. I mean, they need to throw everything in the kitchen sink at this game in order to come out on top, just because, you know, you can drop this game and then still probably win the division over the course of the season. But uh, if you want to beat, win your division, you got to beat the people within your division and you got to get the monkey off your back, which is the 49ers. This is an opportunity to do that and reassert yourself as the reigning NFL champions. Yeah, this would get them to one, two and one in the division if they got a win. Chris, same question. Will the 49ers uh, lose this time or uh, could the Rams at least, you know, put a test out there? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a test. Even the last game, uh, the score wasn't favorable, but they had their opportunity to keep it close. Uh, I'm hopeful they'll be able to at least keep it close in this one and maybe even sneak out a win. I agree. I think uh, it's going to be a closer game as we saw the way the 49ers played today as well, losing to the Falcons. That's it for the Turf Show Times podcast. It's a reaction show. Hit subscribe and get every episode. You can find us on Spotify, your podcast apps, and go to turfshowtimes.com. We'll be back soon with another episode about the Rams.